Today is a beautiful, sunshiny weather we've been having lately. Minus yesterday morning and maybe this morning. But as I wrote this, it was nice and sunny. And it's been sunny most of the week. It almost makes me forget, and probably you forget, that it's November. When it's in the high 70s. We usually don't think that that's November weather. I'm also thankful this morning for each one of you who is here this morning. You know, in many churches across our great nation, just like ours, there stands two flags. The American flag and the Christian flag. These two flags represent two types of freedom. One is a freedom that allows us to go where we want to go and say what we want to say. To live where we want to live and to dream big dreams and to pursue them. Someone once wrote this. It is the veteran, not the reporter, who has given us the freedom of the press. It is the veteran, not the poet, who has given us the freedom of speech. It is the veteran, not the campus organizer, who has given us the freedom to assemble. It is a veteran, not the politician, who has given us the right to vote. It is the veteran, not the preacher, who has given us the freedom of religion. Veterans over the centuries have sacrificed so much to obtain and to preserve this precious freedom, which also includes the God-given right to worship God anytime, anywhere. That leads us to the other type of freedom represented by the Christian flag. A greater freedom that can only be found in Jesus, who died to set us free from hell. This is a freedom from a life of emptiness, freedom from a life of tyranny, of sin, regret, hate, and bitterness. It's the freedom to love God and our neighbor as ourselves. To serve either of these flags and the freedoms they represent Faithfully and effectively, we must meet certain requirements, though. Before one can become a veteran in the United States military, they must first be a good soldier. So my question for us this morning is, what does it take to become a veteran? Not just a military veteran, but a spiritual veteran. I think we would all agree today that Paul knew a little bit about this. Having enlisted in God's army after encountering Jesus on the road to Damascus and enduring countless dangers, toils, and snare as a result, Paul was a veteran Christian. Toward the end of his life, while facing execution for his commitment to Jesus, Paul sits in a Roman prison cut off from the world with just a quill and some parchment. Paul knew that he would soon be executed. And so he writes his final thoughts to a young pastor named Timothy, passing the torch of leadership, reminding him what is truly an importance and encourage him to keep the faith. So this morning, let's look at some of what Paul wrote to Timothy. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 2. And if you don't have your Bibles, because... I am reading out of a different version than I usually do. It will be up on the screen here in just a moment if it's not already. 2 Timothy chapter 2, and we're going to read verses 3 and 4. 
Are we there? One more slide. There you go. You, therefore, must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. If you haven't found it yet, we're already done. So you can put your Bibles away or just look at the screen at the verses. In these two short verses, Paul uses four E-words in this. He uses the word enlisted, endure, engaged, and entangles. Each representing a different aspect of what it takes to become a veteran soldier of Jesus. And this morning I want to go through all of those E-words, but I'm going to start with the the last one for first. Enlisted. We can become a veteran if we, we can't become a veteran if we don't enlist. In the NIV, verse 3 says, a soldier wants to please his enlisting officer. Thankfully, our country no longer uses a forced draft. Recruitment offers are sent out to encourage people to volunteer, but men and women have the freedom to choose whether or not they serve in the U.S. military today. And people make that choice for different reasons, to serve or not to serve. A lot of young people will enlist so they can have their college tuition paid for. Others enlist out of a sense of patriotic duty. Some were raised in military families and still others because they're looking for some sense of direction or purpose for their lives. No matter what the reasons are, it's a tough decision to make. A life-changing decision to simply leave everything behind. And God, too, doesn't force anyone to serve in his service of his kingdom either. However, he does send out recruitment officers, you and I, to encourage people to serve in his army. And it's also a choice. People make a decision for different reasons. Maybe you were brought up with the faith of your parents in church. Maybe you sense God's leading in your life. Or maybe you came to Jesus looking for a sense of purpose and direction in your life. No matter what the reason is, it's a life-changing decision and not to be taken lightly. Jesus said in Luke chapter 14, If you want to be my follower, you must love me more than your own father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters. Yes, more than your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. And you cannot be my disciples if you do not carry your own cross and follow me. Following Jesus is a life-altering commitment that requires full devotion. It's a personal commitment that we make and we are saying that we are allowing Jesus to become king of our lives. And I know that there are some here this morning who could stand right now and testify that making Jesus the king of our lives was the best decision that we ever made. The next step, and the next word, is endure. American soldiers in every branch of the military have a lot to endure, not the, not the least of which is the grueling physical punishment experienced during basic training. I remember hearing from mom about how dad would write letters about all the things he had to go through. And one of the things he wrote about is his the exercise of the gas chamber. 
He would say it was the worst thing that he ever had to endure. He said that your eyes would feel like they have soap in them and it won't ever come out. It feels like someone is holding a lighter under your nose and you can't breathe. Of course, there are many less physical hardships that soldiers have to endure as well. One of the most difficult things is just being away from the family. And there's that strictness of military life often represented in ranking officers. I read about an Air Force major that was promoted to colonel. And he got a new, brand new office. The first morning he was in his new office, an airman knocked on the door and he asked to speak to him. The colonel, feeling the urge to impress this young airman, picked up his phone and began talking. Yes, General, thank you. Yes, I will pass that information along to the president this afternoon. Yes, goodbye, sir. Then turning to the airman, he barked at him. And what do you want? The airman said, nothing important, sir. I just came to hook up your telephone. If you want to be a veteran in God's army... We have to have endurance. As Paul told Timothy, you therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Thank God that we live in a country where followers of Jesus don't experience the kind of hardships they do in other parts of the world around us. Hardships like the ones that Paul experienced. During Paul's missionary journey, we can see how, and read how Paul was flogged, how he was stoned, he was shipwrecked, and so much more. But even in the United States, life is full of hardships. Bad things happen. We read about it. We see about it all the time. Our faith is tested on a regular basis. And James reminds us in James chapter 1, Dear brothers and sisters, he says, Whatever trouble comes your way, let it be an opportunity for great joy. For when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. As soldiers of Jesus Christ, we have to endure. We have to keep the faith. And we have to praise God even in the midst of our struggles that we face day by day. So we enlist. We endure. And then we have to engage German General Sherman once said, you don't know the horrible aspects of war. I've been through two wars and I know. I've seen cities and homes and ashes. I've seen thousands of men lying on the ground, their dead faces looking up at the skies. I tell you, war is hell. Well, I've never experienced the horrible aspects of war. I have great respect for those who have been engaged in war. Even those servicemen and women who were blessed to serve during peacetime, however, must still prepare to be engaged to the enemy through training and exercises and combat practice. They stay sharp and vigilant, always prepared for a battle. As followers of Jesus, we need to do the same thing. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. In other words, as good soldiers of Jesus, we have to be prepared to engage in spiritual warfare. 
We battle temptation. We stand opposed to false religions and worldviews that are hostile to the ways of the Lord. We are called to defend our faith with reason and precision. We can't be afraid to stand up for Jesus wherever we go. God is counting on you. God is counting on me to take captives, which means surrendering our our own thoughts and beliefs to him, but leading others to do the same as well with gentleness and respect. See, in the Lord's army, we don't kill our enemies. Rather, we make them our allies. And in the Lord's army, we aren't fighting alone Just as soldiers in a squad or a platoon or company depend on one another, we rely on one another in the church to help us, to stand beside us, to support us. And even more than that, we have God on our side. I read a story that during World War II, soldiers were often given Bibles to take into battle. One veteran named Jack High received one of those Bibles. And while Jack was in a battle, one day he got shot. Actually, his Bible got shot. A bullet punctured his Bible and traveled halfway through it until it stopped at Psalms 91. The bullet seemed as if it was pointing directly at Psalms 91, verse 11, which says these words. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. As followers of Jesus, we should never be afraid to engage our friends, our co-workers, our cultures. After all, if God is for us, who can be against us? In order to be a veteran, we must enlist. We must endure, engage, and finally, don't get entangled. The last E word that Paul uses in these two verses is entangled. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in the concerns of civilian life. I read another story about a new recruit shortly after joining the Navy who asked his officer for a pass so he can attend a wedding. The officer gave him the pass but informed the young man, you must be back by Sunday at 1900 hours. You don't understand, sir, said the recruit. I'm in the wedding. No, you don't understand. The officer said back, you're in the Navy. When you serve the American flag, you are expected to be completely committed to your country and allow nothing to prevent you from performing your duties and serving faithfully. When we serve the Christian flag, we are also expected to be completely committed to Jesus and his kingdom. We are expected to serve him faithfully, not allowing anything anything to keep us from doing his will. Unfortunately, countless followers of Jesus, after coming to faith in him, gets entangled into the affairs of the world. They let other things become so important to them, more than Jesus. In fact, Jesus tells a story about this very thing in Luke chapter 8. He tells about a farmer who scattered seed everywhere he went. Then Jesus said, the seeds that fell among the thorns stand for those who hear. But as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches and pleasures. And they do not mature. 
Church, we need to be very careful today about the things we allow to distract us from Jesus. As Paul says in Philippians chapter 3, yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the priceless gain of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. I've discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I may have Christ and become one with Him. The four E's, enlist, endure, engaged, entangled. We must do the first three E's. We must enlist, we must endure, we must be engaged, but we cannot get entangled by the things of the world. Maybe this morning you are entangled a little bit in the cares and the worries of this life. Maybe you're afraid to engage people in spiritual conversation. Maybe you're enduring some hardship and you need someone to stand with you and help you fight the fight that you're in. Maybe you haven't enlisted yet into God's army. And you're thinking about it or you need someone to talk about. What does it mean? How can you help me stand? How can you help me fight? The person sitting next to you, the person sitting behind you, I know is going to be willing to help. For we are the family of God. We are brothers and sisters. We are just not one family here and one family there. We are the family of God. And I think you know after five years that if you need me at any time to talk about anything, you know at the most part, at the drop of a hat, I'll be there. I was there when I got the phone call to go talk to Greg going into jail. He was asked to go somewhere else recently to attend church. And he called me and he said, Pastor, someone invited me to go somewhere to church. And I said, well, what'd you tell him? He said, no, I go to the church of the Nazarene and that pastor has done so much for me that I could never pay him back. I said, Greg, it's not me. It's because of the love of God. That's why we do it. That's why we love and we support one another. Because we are the family of God. And that's what we have to do. That's what we have to be. Would you stand this morning as we pray?